0: The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pa de Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, dance educator, and dancer, I am happy to share my 14 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Happy Friday. (laughs) It's been a fun week, as I feel that I'm finally getting back into the swing of the season. I've taught a few classes at Steps on Broadway and at Koresh Dance Company School, Um, and I'll be teaching a few more classes. I'll be at Steps on Saturday teaching an advanced contemporary class, and on Monday teaching an advanced beginner uh, contemporary class. Yeah, advanced beginner contemporary class. That's that's what it is. It's right above beginner, right below intermediate. (laughs) Uh, So... Beyond that, I also attended an informational meeting at NYU where those of us who attended got to share information about uh, proposals that we have to potentially get fellowships at their new Center for Ballet and the Arts. So hopefully that will go well. I'll be submitting my application next month, so keep your fingers crossed for me. Other than that, I'm finally integrated into a new position of mine as the sole instructor in the Contemporary Division at Greenwich Ballet Academy in Port Chester, New York. I'm excited to finally have the opportunity to work with some really talented students on a regular basis, which is something I haven't had the chance to do since my time directing Alaska Dance Theatre. Uh... That's what it's like when you're living a travel freelance lifestyle, constantly working with different groups of people. But I, I'm really excited to get to, to work with these students on a regular basis and to see how they, they develop over time. Since I've been in teaching mode a bit these past few weeks, I figured I would discuss a topic that comes up for me quite often while I'm trying to pass on our amazing craft to the next generation of dancers, or even to those I've worked with who are already in the throes of a professional career. <laughs> I don't know if throws has a negative connotation to it, but it's not a negative one. Just they're, they're in the middle of their careers. Um, I know that most of my listeners have watched the movie Black Swan with Natalie Portman. Uh, this movie is a wild thrill ride that takes place in the dance world and soars through the psyche of an all-too-fragile dancer as she transforms her, her true self <laughs> to inhabit the role of Odette Odile in Swan Lake. It's the white swan and the black swan. Right as this roller coaster of a movie screeches to an abrupt halt, the punchline of the movie pops out. <laughs> she falls back and she says, I was perfect. <laughs> a quote that has now become all too easy to throw out there to give any dancer a good giggle. But the interesting thing about this cinematic quote is that it truly touches upon the way that many dancers approach their training in the most raw and exposing way. Most dancers enter the studio every day ready to perfect their technique and work towards achieving that impossible ideal of perfection. Many of us have worked through exhaustion, pain, and even tears towards this frustratingly unachievable goal. You can't, it's, it's just, it's one of those things you, you feel that you get close and then you realize that there's so much more work that can be done. But in the end, we return day after day trying to do the perfect tendu, have the perfect extension, uh, perform the perfect pirouette. This concept of perfecting and improving is instilled in young hopefuls from the beginning of their foundational training. If trained properly, a student starts facing the bar while tediously repeating the most basic of exercises over and over and over again. Too many times to even count. No wonder as these kids progress, they become so intensely focused on trying to be perfect. (laughs) Uh, And they sometimes forget that being imperfect is what actually distinguishes each dancer from one another. It's interesting. You have to actually work to be perfect to figure out that you need to be kind of imperfect too. (laughs) Alright, I don't know if everybody is following me at this point yet, but just stay with me and let me explain. And I think by the end of this chat, you'll agree with me. Let me give a non-dance example to illustrate my point. So... There's this thing in music called a MIDI file, it's M-I-D-I, and these are the files that are created when a composer uh, composes a piece of music on their computer with some type of uh, compositional software. Uh, The software gives these artists a platform with every instrument available and is able to imitate the vibration or sound that a particular instrument makes. By mimicking these instruments, a composer can create an entire work without ever having to hire a violinist, a flautist, a percussionist, or anybody anybody else that uh, comes from any of the other sections of an orchestra. <laughs> but when their masterpiece, or hopefully something close to a masterpiece, is complete, they can sit back and enjoy their piece uh, played perfectly without error in sound or timing by... A perfect orchestra that is no more expensive than the software that they purchased. So, with the ability to create work like this, why would a composer ever hire an orchestra to play this piece of music? The answer lies within the music. Have you ever heard a MIDI file... (laughs) Uh, You can hear them in video games, uh, in the background of a lot of YouTube videos, uh, or if you've ever sang your favorite song at karaoke, usually the background music is a MIDI file. (laughs) Because they'd have to pay for the rights for the actual music. But uh, this perfect file of a composition is completely bland, it's unemotional, and it lacks the excitement of live music. To listen to a MIDI file is to speak every sentence with the same emotion. Now... When a musician plays a live piece of music, or when they play it live, they can be influenced by their training, the conductor in front of them, their response to others playing around them, and even just by the mood that they're in in that very moment. Maybe they had a sad day, so they're feeling a little melancholic and want to play a little slower, a little more emotionally. Maybe they're uh, in a rush and they want to play it really fast, Uh, but sometimes these these uh, players they they play perfectly, and sometimes they make minor mistakes that cause them to have to speed up or slow down or articulate in a different way, or other different things happen while the music may be imperfect with their quality foundation of training. <laughs> That's important there, but with with that quality training as their foundation and the ability to make personal decisions based off of their imperfections, the music comes alive in a way that no perfect electronic recording could ever imitate. Now let's bring this chat back to dance. Too often I find students getting caught up in and solely focused on the perfection of their technique. Uh, especially in this uh, Youth America Grand Prix generation, um, <clears throat> with kids going and, and competing, a lot of them are, are, tend to think that if they do more pirouettes or have higher extensions that they're going to do better. As an educator, I look at them perform a variation with glazed eyes and, care, and they, they seem to only care about how high their legs go and how many turns that they can crank out. Usually in these moments, I stop and remind the students that while their technique is valid and important, that they seem to have forgotten that we exist in an art form, not a sport. And while it is exciting to see those athletic feats and acrobatic feats, (laughs) uh, acrobatic, I think I said acrobatic, but yeah, acrobatic feats. It's their interpretation and their flaws and the choices they choose to make to work with those flaws that make them unique and interesting, and in, in the long run, the best way that I can explain this is by talking about your favorite full-length story ballets. Pick one: Swan Lake, Giselle, Romeo and Juliet, Don Quixote, Midsummer's Night Dream, or whatever else you're you're drawn to. Every season, companies across the world continue to crank out these classics. Every season, there is no end to the number of times these ballets have been and will be performed. But why? Why don't people get sick of watching them and stop buying tickets to see them? If these ballets were executed perfectly every single time that they were performed, I'm sure people would be like, uh, well, I've seen it once, I'm going to move on. Because really, essentially, it would be perfect, but they'd be seeing it perfect. The same thing over and over and over again. But there is a reason that these ballet uh, companies bring these these pieces back and that patrons purchase tickets each time these war horses are are put into the repertoire. Beyond a bit of nostalgia, people come back for repeated viewings not because of the work, uh, for the most part, but to see each individual interpretation of the people dancing the work. Each interpretation can make the work a completely different ballet. These interpretations of artists are not only driven by life experience and dance experience, but they're, they're driven by the dancer's abilities, perfect or imperfect, and the choices they and their coaches choose to make. The live aspect of daring quality technique and the work in and out of perfection are the things that draw audiences to return to watch the same work every few years for the span of their dance watching years. The idea of being okay with being imperfect was difficult for me to grasp personally. While dancing at P and B, I was usually fine by myself. But when it came to partnering, especially when I began working with soloists and principal dancers in the in the company, uh, as my roles increased and I became and they became more difficult in technique and interpretation, I began to feel the pressure of dancing perfectly. I remember one or two partners who insisted that things had to go perfectly from the start, and they would actually become visibly upset with me if I made an error, even though I was trying as hard as I could or even if it was our very first rehearsal. It took me dancing with a wonderful dancer at Ballet to finally get that there is nothing wrong with imperfection. Of course, we always try our best to achieve perfection, but uh, the imperfections, they are the ones that make us human. I was performing uh, this amazing Amy Sywert work. Uh, Amy Sywert, she is and Ballet's resident choreographer. She has her own company uh, imagery, um, and she's really just a great representative of a female choreographer in the United States. I've worked with her uh, when I was in Alaska Dance Theater, um, and she was just wonderful to work with. Um, but before I actually met her and worked with her, I got to dance one of her pieces called Not a Cry with Ballet X. Uh, and i was i was dancing in this insanely difficult patada de with my partner and we had to perform this intricate s- partnering sequence where she had to straddle my shoulder i grabbed her knee and uh, try to visualize this <laughs> and i grab her knee and toss her over my head into a catch this dangerously tricky lift had never gone wrong in rehearsal but during opening night we arrived at that moment where i launched my partner into th- or onto my shoulder, not yet into the air, but onto my shoulder to start the sequence. My partner stepped up to her position per usual, but the second that I went to grab her leg to put her on my shoulder, she stepped away from me, effectively bailing on the sequence. She turned around, she stared me in my eyes like she was having this deeply passionate moment with me that I didn't know was about to come, and then she just jumped at my chest face first it ended up working out fine because I, I just grabbed her and i ended up spinning her around in circles in a bear hug with her legs swinging behind her while we figured out <laughs> what we were going to do or how how to get back onto the into the choreography <laughs> i was completely mortified that this didn't go perfectly like I, I was i was really freaked out especially considering this was my first performance with ballet x and I think I was more freaked out because I was expecting a brash blaming when the curtain went down, even though there really was nothing that I could do. But to my surprise, after we received our applause, I was completely caught off guard by my, my partner's reaction. I, doing what a male dancer is generally expected to do when a partnering sequence fails, whether it's your fault or not, The man, it's always the man's fault in ballet partnering. <laughs> Uh, So I I went up to her and I apologized, but my partner turned to me. She gave me a hug and she said, I love it when things go wrong on stage because there's nothing more exciting and in the moment than naturally figuring out how to get back to the choreography. She said it was exciting. I was baffled, (laughs) but in the best way. And this was actually perhaps one of the most important lessons of my career. I had never thought that something so imperfect happening on stage could actually feel so uh, liberating and real, and it it was really just something that has stuck with me ever since it happened, and I've tried to bring that to my dancing, and I've tried to impart that to uh, my students. So, just to sum this up, of course I'm not saying that perfection and technique shouldn't be a goal of every dancer out there. But, a little kindness to oneself and exploration of the positive qualities of being imperfect could be the defining characteristic of any dancer's training as a student or professional. We get so caught up in feeling that if we are perfect, we will be the best dancers out there. But, at least in my opinion, some of the most memorable dancers were fantastic technicians. Technicians, that's a hard word to say. Uh, Apparently, today at least. But really... uh, the most memorable dancers were fantastic technicians, but really only drew attention because they were unafraid to be flawed and imperfect on a regular basis in front of an audience. In other words, they were vulnerable. So as you move forward in your training, whether you are a young hopeful or a professional going into rehearsals for roles, uh, as you develop, I just offer you the advice of embracing your imperfections and seeing how they make you unique. Uh... Interesting and better than a perfect, bland robot of a technician. Kind of like that MIDI file, that sound file that I was talking about earlier. Alrighty, well... That's all I got for you this week. <laughs> I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod a Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorollis.com. Again, that's www.b-a-r-r-y-k-e-r-o-l-l-i-s.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcasts or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premiere Dance Network. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you wanna connect with me <laughs> to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B Carolus or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I've been writing about working as a freelance artist for over four years. I also have two YouTube channels, Beat Corollas featuring my choreography and Core Dashography, featuring my choreographic web series that tells the life-defining stories of professional dancers through revealing interviews and choreography. Thanks for listening in to to Chat. I hope you return next Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.